But guys, we've been through, we're, I think we're up to the ninth lesson now, so for more than a couple months now, we are looking at this whole issue of passing through. Now that's describing the fact that all of us here are just here temporarily. Life is temporary, you know that. You're only here temporarily. There is something more than here. Something more. And so you as a believer know that you're going to go to, to be with Jesus. And so the question is, is in the meantime, how are you supposed to be? How are you supposed to be? We have that hope for later on. In the meantime, how are you supposed to be? And that's kind of what Peter is focusing on here in his letter. He's focusing on living the life that he is calling us to live now as sojourners, as pilgrims, as strangers in this world. We've been kind of looking at that. He's been giving us some promises. He's been giving us some things to think about, things to pursue. We need to pursue holiness. He's going to move a little bit more directly in chapter 2 to talk about who you are. Because if you understand who you are, you can live the life that he's calling you to live. Because I'll just be honest with you, the life that Jesus calls us to live in this world, can I just say it, can be very frustrating. Because you understand what he's wanting from you, but you also understand that you're human. That you fail. And you don't just fail once, you fail many times. You make wrong decisions. You do your own thing. You reject things that he tells you to do. I mean, that's just reality. I mean, if you're honest with yourself, and you need to be honest with yourself, that's where you're at. Now, the problem is, the problem is, is we, we have a misunderstanding. Do you understand? We have a misunderstanding about the Christian life and what it means and how you're supposed to be right now. So I'm going to give you a couple things. If you have a bulletin, I would encourage you to write these down because they help you to, to think them through and you can look back through it later. We, we operate under a misunderstanding and a lot of Christians do this. Often your spiritual defeat is tied to your not understanding the Christian life. That's the first thing I want you to see here about this misunderstanding we operate under. Your spiritual defeat is often tied to your not understanding the Christian life. What do you mean by that? Well, all right. I want you to think with me. I want you to be honest with me. Don't raise your hands. Just if you want to say verbally, go ahead. Would everybody agree here that you fail? Okay. There are no perfect people here. That actually is the story of humanity. Humanity is marked by, are you ready for this, failure. Now, we live in a culture where we don't accept failure. We live in a culture, we live in a world, it doesn't even have to be just our culture, we live in a world where it, failure is not tolerated because we're always striving for what? Perfection. For victory. For the win. But the reality is, you and I fail. 
You and I make wrong decisions. You and I give in to our temptations that we face. We give in to our desires. And we wake up and we find out that, hey, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And we don't know how to handle that because we live in a culture that's what? Striving for perfection. Now the problem is, is that we have this misunderstanding. Our misunderstanding of the Christian life is this. We think that we're supposed to be perfect. Isn't that what church has been communicating for years? Isn't that why people look at the church and say it's filled with hypocrites? Because even folks outside of the church think that the church is communicating that the people who come to church are supposed to be what? Perfect. Perfect. Well, we all know that we're not. And we all know that if we really seriously look at the Bible, he doesn't call us to perfection because he un- you understand, you're not going to be perfect until you go to be with Jesus. Which is when? You die or he comes and takes you. In the rapture. So the reality is, listen to me, the reality is, We operate under this misunderstanding of the Christian life, and so our spiritual defeat is tied to it. Now, what do I mean by that our spiritual defeat is tied to it? Look, when you fail, I know, because I'm there, you're like, what's the use? Why bother? It's just an endless cycle. Isn't that what it seems like? An endless cycle? An endless cycle. But that's because you don't understand the Christian life. And that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. i got one other point I want to make here about our misunderstanding. One other point. Here's what I want you to see. You don't recognize that salvation starts the process of spiritual growth. See, this is the problem. You and I don't recognize that salvation starts the process of spiritual growth. First of all, can I explain something to you? Everybody here who's a believer would say, I'm saved, right? Would you also say, I'm being saved? Ah, you're not. Some of you are yes, so you're wise, yes. But some of you are like, whoa, I don't know if I agree with that statement. I mean, I trusted in Jesus. I'm saved. I don't know that, holy cow, I don't know if I agree with I'm being saved sounds like I've got to do something for that or how about this statement how many of you would agree would say this statement I'm going to be saved ah now even now even the ones who said maturity are kind of like oh there's one here who's wise enough who, who says yeah but they're all true I'm going to tell you right now see that's what I'm talking about you don't understand Salvation is a process. All right, explain to me, George, because I'm deciding whether or not to stay here now. All right, listen to me. You were saved when you trusted in Jesus Christ. At that moment, you were saved. You were justified. You were made holy. You were declared righteous. That's called justification. The second part of the process of salvation is this. It's called sanctification. That's where Paul says, work out your salvation. The apostle says that. Work out your salvation. That's where God works on you right now. What do you mean he works on you? Well, let's just say you are in 
a spiritual boot camp. Every one of you is in a spiritual boot camp. I remember as a 19-year-old going into basic training at Fort Jackson and them taking a kid who was used to eating mama's food whenever he wanted to and, and sucking down the, the, the sweet tea and putting on the weight, being put through a regiment that of some screaming drill sergeant the whole time. And I went from 225 down to 195 in eight weeks. Because they were molding me into something. Now, did that just happen overnight? No. It took effort, right? You're in a spiritual boot camp. You, God is working out your salvation in your life now. It's called sanctification. Are there failures? Yes. Yes, there are failures. But the process goes on. Until ultimately one day you go to be with him, and that's where the third statement comes in, where you will be saved. And what does that mean? You will experience salvation in its fullness. You'll receive a new body. And you'll be like Christ. You'll be glorified. See, they're all true. See, that's the thing is, is here's the thing. This is the misunderstanding. You think, well, I'm saved. I'm supposed to be able to do all this. Well, no, you don't understand. You are, are you ready for this? A work in progress. Do you understand me? You are, every single one of you, are a work in progress. And if you are growing spiritually, God is working on you one issue at a time to mold you into the image of his son. Now you say, okay, so how's that supposed to help me with my misunderstanding about my spiritual defeat? Well, when you understand that, you understand then that you are going to fail. But you need to what? Pick yourself up. Keep moving on. Keep moving forward. Did you understand what I'm saying? It's a process. And that's what's going to come out of our passage today. We're going to look at verse 4 through 8 of, of the second chapter of First Peter, and he's going to try to point some things out to you. Actually, with this section, and then when we look at it again the next time, we're going to see that he's trying to help you to understand who you are. And when you understand that, it blows your mind. Because all you see right now is your failure. All you see right now is, is you can't reach perfection. Life's not the way you thought it should be. But that's not true. Look with me, verse 4. Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders reject has become the chief cornerstone. 
and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. That's what we're going to look at here today. So we're going to, we're going to actually break it up into three sections. So let's talk about it now. The one who is to come, we're going to talk about Jesus, what you believe in. We're going to talk about God's work in your life. And then we're going to talk about the outcome. And so all of this is going to help you to grasp how you need to live right now and why you don't need to be defeated. I want you to hear me. You will fail. And yes, you have to deal with the failure and the disappointment of the failure. But you don't have to live in the defeat. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't have to live there. You have, are actually able to go beyond that and try again. So let's talk about it. First of all, here's what we're going to see. The one we come to. Here's what he says in verse 4. Coming to him, that's talking about Jesus, to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. He's going to point out two things about Jesus Christ here. Who you come to. Number one, you come to Jesus who is rejected by men. All right, so I want he's going to right off the bat start off by pointing out to you that the very same Jesus that you believe in, the very same Jesus that you're trusting in for your salvation, is, has been, and it continues to be rejected by men. Do you understand? You have embraced something that others are what? Rejecting. Isn't that true? just need to turn on your news. just need to watch the attitudes of people that you work with and that you live around or even in your own family. Jesus is continually being rejected. People don't see what you believe. Does everybody recognize that? People don't see that. That's because they're not necessarily rejecting you. They're rejecting the one that you believe in and they have and will always what? Reject him. They reject Jesus. That's the one you're coming to. You're coming to the rejected one. Now here's the second thing he says. The second thing he says there, look at what he says. Verse four, but chosen by God and precious. Now this one that you're Coming to Jesus, what is he saying here? But Jesus is chosen by God and is precious to him. See, you understand that there's something special about Jesus. That Jesus was chosen for the very same reason, very purpose that he came to go to the cross for you, to die for your sins, to pay the penalty for your, for your defeat, for your failures. Think about that for a moment. Okay, remember, we're talking about your spiritual defeat, and you shouldn't define yourself by that. You shouldn't define yourself by your failures. We get so drugged down by them, but I want you to realize that the one you believe in was chosen to what? Take care of that defeat. Take care of that failure. To give you another chance. Do you understand what I'm saying? So oftentimes when we're in it, we're like, we want to give up. I don't know how I'm going to be able to do this. I don't know how I'm going to, I'm just, it's like it's ruling me. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I'm going to do. Look, you're forgetting something. You're forgetting that the one you believe in was chosen to what? Take care of it. Was chosen to pay the price for it. Was chosen to free you from it. Did you hear what I said? You may want to write that down. Was chosen to free you from it. 
Because you can be free from it because he died for you. And here's the thing. He's not just the one who was chosen. God is, Jesus is precious to God. Because he did all that for you. That's awesome. All right, so when you grasp the one that you're coming to, he's rejected by men. He's the one who's chosen to be the one to, to remove this from you. We come to what God does in your life. We come to the fact that you're his work. And so we're going to look at God's work now. Look with me. Verse 5 says it all. I'm going to break this down to you for you. He says, you also, as living stones. Now he says, the living stone is Jesus, but you also are living stones. You are the material that God is using to build something. Stop for a moment. God is building something. And you, you, you who can't see himself as ever amounting to anything, you who can't see himself ever being used by God because all you see is your failure, you are building material that God is using, living stones to build something. And here's what he says. You also, as living stones, are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Two things I want you to see here about the work of God in your life. Okay? Number one, God is building you up to be his special servant. He uses two terms here. He's building you up to be a spiritual house. What's that referring to? It's referring to the temple. The temple was where people would go to meet God, to commune with God. And then he says, a special priesthood, a royal priesthood. What's he talking about there? Well, you know that a priesthood, what do they do? They serve God. They, they, they minister before him, offering sacrifices. And so here's what he's saying. This Jesus, who's rejected by men, but was chosen to take care of your failure, to absolve you from your sin, is Doing a work in your life, making you, are you listening to me? This is the process of salvation. He is molding you into being, molding me into being what? His special servant. Well, I can't teach Sunday school, George. Like that's serving Jesus? I mean, it is. But that's not all there is to serving Jesus. Well, I can't be, I would never even consider being an elder or a trustee in the church or being a preacher. Nobody said you needed to. See, what we've done over time is we've, we've made service in the church the same as service to God, but they're not the same. In fact, I'm going to tell you, you want to know where you are serving God at? Here's where it is. In your home. You want to know where else? In your workplace. You want to know that's where you're a servant of God at? At Walmart when you go buy groceries. At that restaurant in town when you're talking to that waitress. You're a servant of God everywhere you go. And he's molding you into being his servant. 
You're being built up into a spiritual house. You're being built up into a priesthood to serve him. God is doing a work in your life. And he's building you up. We say, well, I'm, well, he's having an awful hard time with me because of, look at how many times I've been messing up. Hey, I understand that. But you know what? God also uses our failures to what? Teach us through our failures, doesn't he? You know, you want to, you want to, the interesting thing that I've been learning, I've been a believer now 33 years. The interesting thing that I've been learning is as I get older, and the longer I walk with Jesus, and the more I realize about my weaknesses and my failures, the more that I'm desperate for him. Because I'll be honest with you, if it wasn't for him, I would be nothing. It's him. Did you understand? And he's teaching me through my failures. One of the things that he's teaching me through my failures is, is I can't really have a big head with him. I have no ground to stand on before him and say, well, you know, God, I'm, I'm okay. No, I'm not. You can't stand before him and say, well, I'm doing okay. I'm better than so-and-so. No, you're not. The only reason why you're saying this is that because we know about so-and-so. Nobody knows about you. What would they think if they knew about you? We don't have a leg to stand on. And, but the reality is, is God is working in your life, in my life, to make us his special servants. He's building you up to be his special servant. Now, here's the wonderful thing. Notice the second thing he says here. Here's what he says. This, well, actually, let me go back. I have a verse of scripture. You can be confident about this work. Philippians 1 chapter verse 6. Chapter 1 verse 6. Being confident of this very good thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Go back to that verse. I want you to look, look at what it says. Being confident. That's you. You can be confident. Why? Because you are oftentimes faced with no confidence because you're looking at your failure. You can be confident of what? That God who's begun the good work. So God's doing this work. Is he going to stop the work? No, not according to this verse. He's going to complete it till when? To the day of Jesus Christ when he comes back. Or when he comes for you. Is he hinged on your failures? No. It's hinged on his promise. He's going to do the work. Here's the second thing I want you to see now. This is so that your service is acceptable to him. The reason why he's working in your life, the reason why he's molding you, he's bringing you through the difficulties that he's bringing you through, he's picking you up from the failures that you're going through, is so that when you serve him, you're serving him and your service then will become what, does he say here? Acceptable to God. In fact, that very same phrase is used in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Notice it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, acceptable to God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Saying, God, here I am, warts and all, failures and everything. I just want to serve you. Mold me into the person you want me to be. 
That's acceptable to God. All right, let's stop for a moment. When I was studying this, this was like mind-blowing to me. Think about what he's saying here. You don't have to be defeated. Well, I fail. Welcome to the real world. Brad and I went to the same school at different times, but we had a pastor in our lives, Jerry Falwell, who used to say this, the measure of a man is not what he accomplishes in this world, but what it takes to defeat him. The issue isn't what you're accomplishing. The issue is what, it, what does it take to defeat you? See, you fail. Pick yourself up. Proverbs. Proverbs says this, righteous man falls seven times, rise again. Isn't that interesting? You have been declared righteous by who? Jesus. You are a righteous man. Well, I'm a failure. No, no. You are a righteous man because he declared you righteous. You can't make yourself righteous. You do what? You pick yourself up. God's doing a work in your life. You don't have to live in defeat. Now he goes on and he says, what is the outcome of this? Well, he's going to give a dual outcome here in verses 6 through 8. He's going to talk about those who reject. We've already talked about those. And he's going to talk about those who believe, which is you and I. So look with me at verse 6 through 8. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect and precious. He who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders reject has become the chief cornerstone and the stone of stumbling and the rock of offense. They stumble, being disobedient to the word which they were also appointed. All right, first of all, here it is. You may want to put a star by this one. Those who believe in Jesus will not be put to shame. You want know so devastating about failure? You want to know what's so devastating about failure? It's meeting other people after you failed. It's the shame of it. That's what we can't bear. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because there are other failures. Like you, maybe you couldn't care less about school. You go in there and a teacher gives you a math test and you scored a 50. And you're like, wow, I got half of them right. And that's like no big deal. But there are other failures. You don't want to see anybody after you've done it. Why? You can't bear the shame. And the thought for some of you here today of one day seeing Jesus and having everything be brought to mind, every failure, every sin, every hidden skeleton in every closet, having that all brought, be brought out, that, can I be honest with you, is a scary thing, isn't it? Because some of you, some of you, you're haunted by it now. 
You're haunted by it. The enemy's constantly reminding you of the failures and the shame, right? Here's what Peter is saying to you and I, that if you believe in him, he's precious to you. Why? Because when you go to be with him, you will not be put to shame. Isn't that awesome? You'll not be put to shame. You know, in fact, he'll look at you and say, are you listening to me? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, years ago when I heard that, I always thought that was in reference to doing all the work for Jesus and evangelism and and wanting Jesus to say to me, well done, look at all you did, George, wow. You know what I've realized? (laughs) That was a wrong understanding of that passage. He's going to say that to every one of you. How can you say that, George? Because if you know Jesus, you're all his servants. And I know that the testimony of Scripture is about whether or not we make it and endure this life with all of its failures and all of its difficulties and all of its struggles and all of its defeats. And when we go to be with him and we cross that shore and we look into his eyes and he says to us, you're here. Well done. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Well done. That's what's awesome. To those who believe Jesus will not be, will, those who believe in Jesus will not be put to shame. But that isn't true for everyone. That isn't true for everyone. The text very clearly talks about those who don't know Jesus. And here's what I want you to see. Those who reject Jesus do so because of their disobedience to God's word. Those who who, who don't accept him, those who reject him, they're, they're just going along with where they're at, and that is they reject God. They reject his word. But to you, it's different. He's precious. You say, okay, what do I do with this? Well, here's the first one. You can choose not to live defeated. You could choose not to live defeated. You don't have to live defeated. Now, notice what I said. You can't choose not to fail. Did you notice I didn't say that? You can't choose not to fail. Because you're going to. In fact, you're going to fail, it's interesting, ignorantly. Because all sin is what? Failure, isn't it? And the scripture very clearly talks about that we sin what? Ignorantly. Sometimes we sin without even knowing it. So you can't choose not to fail. But you can choose to live defeated or not. Do you hear me? You can choose to live defeated or not. And you can choose not to live defeated. With God's strength, you can go on. You can pick yourself up and move on. Here's the second thing. With every failure, you must pick yourself up 
and allow God to do his work. With every failure, you must pick yourself up and allow God to do his work. Do you hear me? You know, I love, I love going with, when the kids were smaller. It's been years since we did this. I love, I love going to Hershey with them. Okay. And, uh, Hershey Park. And one time we camped out there and we went to the Hershey Museum. And, you know, the Hershey Museum talks about Hershey and talks about Milton Hershey. And one of the things that I found phenomenal about Milton Hershey is before he became such a great success, he failed in business, in, in the candy business several times before it became Hershey. Now, the next time you're eating one of those Hershey Kisses or a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup, is that the right company? I think so. Aren't you glad he didn't give up? Do you know what I'm saying? Aren't you glad? Because if he had, we wouldn't have Hershey's today. It would be something else. Just because you fail, it's not the end of the world spiritually. You pick yourself up and you allow God to use it in your life to mold you into the person he wants you to be because you're his special servant. Do you understand me? You have to pick yourself up and allow God to do his work. Let me pray for you.